About what? Exactly. time again to talk with Justin and Ty about what? About something new. This one is something new and something old, but something very fascinating. Yeah, and something blue and something, however that, what's that saying? Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Yeah. You know, I think that we could tie all of that into tonight's episode. I can see something blue right now. Yeah? Yeah. And get that dirtiness out of your mind there. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) what have you been up to this week, Evan? In fact, the last time I actually talked to you was when we were basically sitting sitting right here recording. About what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We were talking about Summer Loving. Yeah. We were talking about your... My eight-inch... Uh, your yeah, cock. Yeah, my eight-inch... Yeah, yeah, I saw him today, by the way. Your rooster. Yeah, my, my little eight-inch rooster. He's, uh... Yeah, he's... A, I don't want happy. people, you know, misconstruing what we're talking about here just because they have dirty yeah, minds. Exactly. I mean, there's no question about it. Just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only, uh, the only eight-inch rooster I have is in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's... There's nothing wrong with that. That's the yeah. best kind of cock to have walking around. Precisely. I mean, I've been accused of having an any actually. Have you? Me too. Yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. They call it a tail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes out the other way. Yeah, exactly. That, well, when you tuck it between your legs and then, you know, <laughs> do the butterfly dance from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. I do that quite often in front of the mirror. Yeah. Don't yeah. you? Well, of course. Yeah. If you're a guy, you have to tuck it between your legs and, you know, do that dance of... Uh, uh, Buffalo Bill. Well, the, the the fact that mine can be tucked between my legs, mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm proud enough that it's small, but large enough that it'll stay there, too, yeah. between the legs. Exactly. You know, because mm-hmm. if it's too big, you can't tuck it. Mm-hmm. That just hurts. If it's too small, it won't tuck at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you're better off just, like, putting a Band-Aid over it and stuck it yeah, back like, in. Like some duct tape yeah tape it down your back and up around the front mm-hmm. yeah just like uh the miss america pageant exactly yeah you think there do you think the miss america pageants will ever go woke with all the wokeness hitting america and everything Man, it seem like they try to but i mean why is yeah. it you know i mean i i'm all for um equal equalness mm-hmm. across the board sure. but let's be honest there's certain things that equalness yeah. Is, is equalness a word? Yeah, equality. I don't like that word. All right, then equalness. What if it's two different words? Equal. What if it's equal? E- equalness? Space ness. Okay. How about we just say this? You know, certain things I'm happy for them to be equal. Mm-hmm. You know, pay no matter the gender. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. but but don't you, and maybe I'm just an old chauvinist, show, shiv it, sh- I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, chauvinist. Well, I was going to say that, but then I kind of changed my mind to what I was meaning to say. But maybe I'm just stuck in the past. That's, yeah. I guess, what I'm saying. Maybe I don't think it's all right for males mm-hmm. to be in Miss America. 
maybe I don't think it's oh. all right for females to play That's the football with the boys. Okay. You know, I mean, not everything has to be equal. Doesn't that mm-hmm. what's, well, it's, kind of what makes yeah, the specials were different? Exactly. It's a fine line between a tackle and domestic violence, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Although, uh, here, here's a bit of wokeness that I actually appreciate. In fact, I, I appreciate it so much, I kind of wish that all beauty pageants would do this. Um, Miss uh, United Kingdom or Great Britain, I can't remember. So, uh, but over across the pond, yeah. Um, they the uh, I think it's the girl that won it, did it without wearing any makeup. She went completely bare face. Oh, I thought you were going to say underwear. No, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but, you know, it's still, like, <laughs> the idea that, I mean, it's kind of like the Olympics, right? Is yeah. Oh, we don't allow you to do any artificial enhancement in the Olympics. So why do we allow makeup in beauty pageants? Well, I think, yeah, I can agree with you, but also that's two different things, right? I mean, it's because... Like it ought to be another category, don't you be, think? Well, because you, you know, when you're talking sports and stuff, especially especially mm-hmm. physical sports where there's yeah. contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, to give somebody an advantage can hurt people. I mean, sure. UFC is a good example. You know, yeah. when people are in there fighting, mm-hmm. um, giving someone an unfair advantage can, you know, affect yeah. the outcome of someone's health. For I mean, sure. Essentially. Yeah. Um, even in football and yeah. all that. Now, baseball, you know, back when they had the big steroid issue and mm-hmm. everybody was hitting 5,000 home runs a year, oh, yeah. I thought it was great. And everybody that was hitting 5,000 home runs, what turned out was on some sort of smack, well, right? Yeah, but but how did, you know, here here's my look at it is why does it really affect anything? Because in all honesty, that is one time when, a court, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but but baseball kind of had a resurgence during that time. Yeah. Oh, with, yeah. People were excited about it, right? Yeah, and... And it wasn't hurting anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you could tell the guys were juiced and they were hitting the ball yeah. out of the city. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was for the fun of it. Now, if you go to a contact sport like football or UFC mm-hmm. or wrestling or something, you know, amateur wrestling, mm-hmm. something like that, sure. then you've got an unfair advantage where someone can get hurt. Yeah. You know, uh, Miss America is a good example, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would like to see a Miss America where all of them are on steroids. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> You know, and that's the other thing. It's like, okay, I think, you know, go with me on this for a second. Uh, beauty pageant, uh, if they would just add that other category where, okay, now we're going to see the girls without makeup, everybody bareface. So add, add just, that as you naturally Just are. like the nightgown and just yeah. like the swimsuit, just add a... Just add another category. This is your natural yeah, we category. come in, this is what they look like naturally, and then they can go on, do all their makeup and their hair and everything, and give it, you know, use whatever they want to mask themselves. And it's kind of like a way to gauge how much they can do with what they've got, right? Well, I think part of the problem is going to be is some of them are going to be unrecognizable. I, yeah. <laughs> one exactly. way or the other, you know, yeah. they're going to like, okay. Girl you, that come, Cindy Crawford comes out looking like a frog. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to like, okay, did you change girls? You know, yeah, that's real. that's going to be the question. <laughs> yeah. you know, is what did you do here? Because uh-huh. you'd ha- you definitely have to have supervision. Yeah. Uh, during would you start them out no makeup or uh, start them you know made up and all that and then strip oh, and them then out. wipe it? Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Just you know, yeah, have them come out with full makeup and then just like put a scrubber on there and just so scrub it all off. so what's the 
what's the criteria for winning? Who looks the worst? I mean, the, the I biggest change or the least a, change? I think it's an, an interesting category to see who has like the most natural, pretty face without makeup, and then seeing what somebody can do with what they've got. So it's just a complete different category. Yeah. Exactly. So someone's excellent at mm-hmm. you know putting on the makeup and making themselves look beautiful, but yeah. then they scrub it off and you've mm-hmm. got yeah. goddamn Ronald McDonald. Yeah, well, that's exactly. a bad example because he's wearing makeup. But you know, you know no, what I'm but, saying. Uh, Maybe like a sloth from Goonies. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, do you, do you uh, get extra points because you're so good at doing makeup yeah. or? <laughs> Exactly. Or do you get the points because you're so naturally beautiful and don't have to do much makeup? I can see where this complicates things. I'm really not qualified to be making that, But that's what I'm way. saying. What, what do you base the score on? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Is, is, uh-huh. Well, I, I think we've talked about this before that um, I do think that they should do a, a separate Olympics with different uh, things like let people juice themselves as much as they want. You know, just hit whatever steroids, use whatever... Uh, amplifying um drugs they can in order to get the most out of it. Let, let's see people break their own bodies because they're on too much pcp or something well they're they're already doing it right i yeah. mean in in a lot of things and i mean you look at like mm-hmm. lance armstrong took a yeah. big downfall for it mm-hmm. but you know nobody ever talks about yeah. the other 10 15 guys that were super competitive with him yeah. we're doing the same doing thing the same thing exactly. so so did he really win unfairly that's the question. I, I mean, because, mm-hmm. you know, to me, in that sport, seeing people uh, ride bikes and stuff, mm-hmm. that's, in my opinion, I don't have a problem with them on every steroid sure. and, and, you know, body-enhancing mm-hmm. vitamin or whatever it is because yeah. it's going to make it more exciting, right? Well, yeah. And then in addition to that, let's have the average personal Olympics, too. So let's throw just an average Joe in there to yeah. ride his bike in the Tour de France too, right? Or yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, run around the the track with um, uh, Usain Bolt and all that. I mean, it's not like yeah. they're going to be anywhere near him anyways. No, but it's, <laughs> it's good cool. for reference, right? For yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think without all the enhancing drugs, I, yeah. I think the reference would be a huge discrepancy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, there, there's a reason those people are there and, yeah. you know, us simple folk aren't. I, I just hope, um, I hope I'm good at something. Mm-hmm. You know, I, ho- I hope I'm the world champion at something. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is, you know, changing the toilet paper roll fast or, or, mm-hmm. or something just silly, but yeah, I mean, doesn't everybody want to be the best at something? Yeah. Even if it's something mundane and yeah. stupid. And it, well, I'm sure whatever it is yeah. I'm the best Some, at is Yeah, really somebody silly, that can but... mow their lawn the best in, in their whole neighborhood, even if it's something like that. Or somebody that can, you know, change oil uh, without getting any oil on them. <laughs> something. I mean, yeah. there, I, I guess there's a Guinness World Record for nearly everything, right? Yeah. Uh, did you hear about the Guinness World Record that they did recently here in our valley? Yeah, down there at uh, Shriver's yeah. Mac and Cheese. The world's biggest what, mac and cheese. You know, with all the problems we have in the world, we're worried about the world's largest mac and cheese. Exactly. But at the same time, I think it's I think it's good to have things like that to, if nothing else, distract us from everything else that's going on in the world. Um, just to give give us a communal effort. I agree with them. the distraction uh portion but i think mm-hmm. some things are so silly it, it yeah 
I don't know. I just find it, it seems mm-hmm. like we're fighting huge battles and then yeah. we, and then everything in our lives are these silly little mm-hmm. things, you know? Yeah. We're willing to make a huge, the world's biggest mac and cheese, but are we willing to actually try and solve world hunger? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cause wouldn't it be more respectable if a big company like Schreiber's that did mm-hmm. this, a world known company, mm-hmm if they made something five times the size and invited everyone, because mm-hmm. you know they spent a lot of money on it. Oh, yeah. Why not invite people that needed to be fed? Sure. Why not break a record of how many homeless can you feed? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, I'm just yeah. saying something mm-hmm. useful. Yeah. You know, not who can belch the longest. or. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I That's an interesting one. We should see which homeless person can belch the longest. Because that could be a record, you know, yeah. if you're homeless. Yeah. It's a criteria. It's Yeah, that's part of the criteria, you mm-hmm. know. You have to be homeless in order to do this. Belch or flatulate. Yeah. The longest. Mm-hmm. Or both at the same time. Yeah. Oh, get could, gas coming out from both ends. Yeah. And I don't know if that's possible. I mean, I have... It seems like at some point you might turn into one of those like uh, firecrackers on the Fourth of July. The ground blooms and yeah, starts spinning. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I and I think me turning into more like one of those little snakes. Yeah. Really like, oh, yeah. Because I'd start belching and then I'd shit. Yeah, and then you start producing. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. both ends. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> when it happens at both ends, generally it's an accident. Yeah. Not a, uh-huh. You know, I can't just. Uh, fart and belch at the same time yeah I mean, it just doesn't mm-hmm. seem right now i can puke and shit mm-hmm. but that's accidental yeah and i can sneeze while i'm peeing which you know usually causes an accident too. <laughs> that that is exactly why mm-hmm. um especially if it's night when i was a drink when i used mm-hmm. to drink a little bit because yeah. i really don't drink anymore mm-hmm. but when i did you know it was a safer bet just to get in the shower to pee yeah because yeah, you can hit that hole every time. And yeah, well, it doesn't matter. And our, our bathtub and curtain rod right there next to the one toilet in our bathroom. And one night I'd come home and we'd been out partying with some friends. And I leaned on that shower curtain. The whole curtain rod came down and I ended up in the bathtub pissing all over myself. Because oh. it was like a runaway fire hose. Well, now, course, I'll, yeah. Albeit a very, very small fire hose. Yeah, but it's still going off. Yeah, it was still yeah. going. I couldn't quit peeing. And I yeah. couldn't quit laughing, mm-hmm. and it hurt too. All at the same time, it was a yeah. very strange. Mm-hmm. Well, if you would have had a clothespin, yeah, mm-hmm. I fall right <laughs> through the clothespin end. That's never going to not be funny to me. It's <laughs> the best part of eleven twenty two sixty three. Yep, it <laughs> the is good. Excellent, and it's been a few months since I've watched that. I almost need to watch mm-hmm. it again, at yeah. least every couple of years. Oh yeah, that and that holds up. It's really well made. Well, I, I think period pieces hold up better than most movies mm-hmm. because at least if they do a good job of representing the past, mm-hmm. because you look at a movie about the future, uh, Back to the Future is a good one. Yeah. Uh, more more particular, Back to the Future 2, because yeah. that's when they go into the future. Mm-hmm. And the future in 2015 really didn't resemble anything like happened in 2015. The Cubs did win. Well, that was unusual. And that tells me that it was rigged. It probably was. Yeah, but, that, I mean... Yeah, because there was no way. But all that technology... <laughs> they still were, suck. Right? We're not even really on the precipice of a lot of that technology. Oh, no. I mean, we've got our hover, our hoverboard, which is basically a segue without the handle. You know? Yeah. You just yeah. stand on, like, this 
uh, yeah, this well, thing with wheels on the end. But it does everything but hover. Exactly. I mean, it so, hover. so, and I've seen they have hoverboards on these uh, magnetic, mm-hmm. like they'll make a track yeah. for it and you can use them there. Yeah. But, or or the concept of like a drone. I mean, that's kind of yeah the, the direction that they're going. But it's not like the hoverboards where it's just. Uh, I don't even know how what kind of technology that would consist of. Well, how that would be possible. No, um, I, I guess you know my point is is when you're doing a period piece about the past, mm-hmm. if you can get really close to recreating it. How can you really, nothing's going to change about what's already happened, right? Yeah. But when you're making a movie about the future, depending on how far in the future you go, I mean, you're you're making some guesses, right? Exactly. And if it gets to that point, it doesn't really hold up as well. Now, I think one of the best movies about the future that's held up really well that we probably ought to do Mm -hmm. an episode on is Idiocracy. Yes, we absolutely should. Uh, Because... I, I don't know why that movie's probably the best stupid movie I've ever seen. Well, it's supposed to take place a thousand years in the future. Yeah. And it didn't even have to take five years, and it feels like we're already well, there. Well, th- that's right? kind of the point yeah. I was going to make. You know, <laughs> all jokes aside with it, us as a people, especially here in America, seem really close Yeah, to, to well, that. Okay, Terry Crews president? And then Donald Trump president. I mean, I, there's just so much. Like, I'll be I honest draw with a lot you. Of parallels I, I take Terry Crews president absolutely right now. Oh yeah, I'd over our over Biden. Our, yeah, yeah. I definitely take. You know, I'm not a Biden fan by any means. Mm-hmm. I do like him more than Donald Trump. Yeah, but that's like saying you're my favorite turd. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like either of them. I'm not. Uh, I was a registered Democrat for years and years. I would. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to consider myself anymore because I'm definitely not a Republican. I'm definitely not a Democrat. And I'm not really independent. You're I, an American. Well, that's what I'd like to consider it. But uh, you know how many people mm-hmm. I hear say that, but then they vote party sides. You yeah. know? And I, I voted for Republicans. I voted for mm-hmm. Democrats. Um, yeah. I just think we need not, not another party, but maybe another two or three parties. Or maybe just get rid of parties. Well, instead of putting an R or a D next to people's names, just put blank. But I think until you take money out of it, that's never going to change because the the ideology and the, you know, (laughs) whatever these big companies and big corporations or whatever it is, if they have their plans on something, they throw money and that's going to put a group of people in a group and they're going to group back up whether you call them something or not. (laughs) I I think we need a few more parties, more or get rid of the party yeah. system altogether and sure. and rate them, you know, run them strictly mm-hmm. on ideas. Yeah. I mean, it's not like any of the ideas any of them promise ever get put into place anyway. So. Oh, exactly. Cause, and the reason why is because everybody's hamstrung, right? Well, yeah, it is. I mean, you even look like with Donald Trump in the wall, you know, how well yeah. did that happen? And that oh, was his number well, one promise. He couldn't do anything because of the Democrats in Congress. Okay, well, now we got Biden that can't do anything because of the Republicans in Congress. It, it, so, I mean, it's, you know. And tell me, it right? hasn't been that tit for tat for yeah. years because that's what it is. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, Trump gets in and signs all these executive orders and changes all these things. And people 
Some people think it's great. Some people think it's mm -hmm. going to hell, whatever. Yeah. Biden comes back in and reverses a lot of it. Some people mm -hmm. think it's great. Some people think it's going to hell. Yeah. The next time, if we have a Democrat, he won't change much. Mm -hmm. But if it's a Republican, he will and yeah. vice versa mm -hmm. and da, 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 da. And so it goes. And, you know, I will say that there has been some good changes. There, there mm -hmm. were some good changes under Trump. Yeah. You know, you take away all his loudness is that the way to put it yeah uh, buffoonery yeah and and there were some good things just common sense things we, that we stayed done. out of war for four years yeah you know so well i guess we we were in afghanistan the whole time but still yeah, yeah. you know he, he didn't start anywhere new um kind of poked uh north korea a little bit and, yeah he was he was poking the bear yeah and, you know, and under Biden, there's been some good things that have happened. Sure. You know, um, I, I think too much is put on the mouthpiece or mm -hmm. or the yeah. the top guy, per se, yeah. where, number one, they get way too much blame for what they do. And I think they get way too much credit for sometimes oh, what they do absolutely. as well. On both sides of it. Yeah. But you look at it, it, it's, you know, I've seen all the people. I was not a Donald Trump fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that as I wasn't a Donald Trump fan before he ran yeah. for president. I, mm -hmm. I never liked him. No, he's not. He's not really a likable person. No, he's but I, always been just an arrogant uh, jerk. I think the thing for me is he didn't, you know, take away all the policies, all the bullshit, all that. Mm -hmm. He did not represent us as presidential. Yeah. You know, when I see pres presidential, you know, good or bad, I think Barack Obama mm -hmm. was very stately and very well spoken and yeah. very you know thoughtful on things and you know like i'm saying take all policies out of the mm -hmm. mix he he seemed presidential yeah you know you didn't hear all these controversies with him you know that we've had with george bush mm -hmm. jr True. and we had with bill clinton and yeah all this stuff he seemed like the president yeah and to me that was the first one we've had mm -hmm. in my opinion since yeah. Jimmy Carter. Sure. Because Jimmy Carter, you know, for all his downfalls and, you know, the good things he's done, he took he took over at a time where mm -hmm. the country was in peril, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gerald Ford had inherited the country from uh, Richard Nixon, who was the president mm -hmm. that was elected, and then found out that, you know, Watergate happened, and then Gerald Ford takes the helm, and the very first thing he does is pardon... Uh, Richard Nixon. <laughs> so, well, that's why I think yeah. um, Ronald Reagan was one of the worst things that happened to us, you know, mm -hmm. and you can take the policies off the board and all that, but it, I'm not against politicians. You know, a lot of people are against politicians. Mm -hmm. I'm not because I think most of them are good. Mm -hmm. And I think most of them try and do the job, mm -hmm. but it's a, you know, a thankless job and you're just yeah. fighting against a brick wall. But I think Reagan introduced the fact that, Anybody could be president. Yeah. You know, I mean, getting back back to the future. Yeah, when Marty sure. tells Doc, mm -hmm. you know, Ronald Reagan's yeah. the... Yeah. Ronald Reagan, the actor. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And I guess Jerry Lewis is the yeah. secretary. Or I can't yeah. remember if that's what he says, but yeah. something like that. You know? Yeah. But to me... And Jane Wyman's first lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, you know, and, and Reagan, if you want to go back and look at the taxes implored and some different things, a lot of stuff changed under him. The yeah. rich, mm -hmm. that is the big time where the rich 
started yeah. to get much richer mm-hmm. and the poor much poorer when the middle class started to dissolve right yeah. mm-hmm. um and i don't know i don't look back on uh, the 80s or the 90s yeah. presidents fondly at all Mm-mm. uh under reagan is when trickle down economics became a thing and they started talking about that oh well if we just give all the uh, tax breaks and all the money to the to the people on the top Tier, the people that don't need them the people that don't need it, exactly yeah. then they'll start trickling that down and giving you know raises and more money to the people that are under them and the people that are under them will start giving that money to the people under them all the way down to the working class when in all reality all it did was breed corporate greed yeah there seems to be a big uh, safety net up top that catches anything that might trickle down well i think you know being in business for a number of years and being with companies that were Mm -hmm. you know we could have a record-breaking year and that was amazing yeah you know for that week when your financials come out for the end of the year sure but the problem was then the next year had to beat it yeah you know and so when you're making millions of dollars for the owner of the company Mm -hmm. if you make let's say 10 million dollars for them one year i'm just picking a number well next year better be 11 or 12 yeah and, Otherwise, it's lost, right? Uh, yeah, and the problem is you're always losing. Yeah, you know you're you're you know you're increasing your profits mm-hmm. by five ten percent a year, mm-hmm. and you're increasing the wage and the money you're putting back into the company by half a percent, right? Yeah, or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just a losing situation because eventually it bottom out bottoms out and dies, and there's mm-hmm. no way you're nowhere you can go. Luckily, yeah with my previous career, we were able to continue doing it for a long mm-hmm. time, but it was dang near 20 years. Really. Yeah, it, it was tough though, because you see that, and that's at a small company level, mm-hmm. a small yeah. local company. And so, you know, these huge mm-hmm. companies, it, yeah, you know, they're, and all these executives are getting doled out huge bonuses and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, that yeah. it's not going to the other people. Oh yeah. It never has. No. And, you know, if you look at, you know, because we're always talking about the 60s, mm-hmm. um, and I may be getting this wrong, but from what I, you know, recollect on this is that the standard CEO and upper management would make anywhere from four to five hundred percent that of the wage of a worker. So let's sure. say a worker was making 20 grand a year, mm-hmm. you know you know, maybe the upper corporate management was making a hundred and the CEO was making 250,000, right? Sure. Pretty big discrepancy. Yeah. But now, now you got a guy making 50 grand a year and the upper management makes a million and the CEO makes 10 million. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not even close. The discrepancy is Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. And that's all thanks to trickle down Mm -hmm. economics because once you go there, it's pretty tough to take it back for sure. You know, and, well, that's when uh, Wall Street, the movie Wall Street, was made, yeah. and um, you had uh, well, not Martin, excuse me, Michael Douglas. Michael said, Douglas, greed is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've been on that side of things, and that's what what you got to do, you know. And and unfortunately, you know, for like me and my previous career, my mm-hmm. wage was set up on what we made, and so I didn't mm-hmm. really have a choice other than to, yeah bang against that. I mean, I was the manager, but I wasn't making 500 mm-hmm. times what the next guy below me no. was. I wish I was, but yeah. And, uh, it was, uh, but you know, at the same time, you also worked harder than anybody else there. So you were 
you were supposed to be in that position. Yeah, it was a little different, but I, you know, and I, I took this all from Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, I started this conversation starting on how I dislike Donald Trump, but yeah. my whole point was he did not seem like somebody I would want to stand on a pulpit and represent as the one person representing our country of 340 million people. Yeah. I could see Obama doing that. I could see Jimmy Carter doing that. I could see, you know, I could see Lyndon Johnson doing that. Mm -hmm. Hell, I could even see Nixon doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the Watergate scandal, that's a pretty small deal Mm -hmm. really compared to some of the things that go on (laughs) now. That is really small potatoes compared to what's going on lately, isn't it? Yeah. And so I, you know, I don't know. And maybe, maybe all these, issues existed with these other people as well it's just the media mm-hmm. didn't have access and the coverage to it that they do i don't know maybe i just find it hard to believe in an in the top nation in the world i mean the world's truly only mega power right yeah where what we are and almost 350 million people and trump and biden are the two guys we come up with yeah that was the disappointing thing to me about the last election is uh this is this is what we're up against and why in the devil are they both dang near 80 years old well and the problem is is any third party candidate even if viable you're throwing a vote away Mm -hmm. you really are one side or the other exactly it it, it's just it Mm -hmm. that's why i'm saying there needs to be four or five candidates um Choice rank voting is a really good idea. Uh, yeah, that seems to be really effective where they put where they put that in place too. Yeah, I I would like to see that. Um, it's something like that, you know, if we could have five candidates to choose from, mm-hmm. you know, and you know somehow keep big money out of it, you know, corporations mm-hmm. and the buying these guys off and you know all their promises and things. If we could have four or five candidates right down to the end. With no R or D or I or anything by their names, mm-hmm. but just so you couldn't straight party vote or anything, you know, that would be the best way, I think. And I think that'd fix a lot of problems. So, you know what would fix a lot of problems? If we had some money, so let's go to a commercial. Let's do it. All right. We'll be back in a minute. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download this free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you very much for listening to our uh our commercial to, for our sponsors. Thank you to our sponsors for believing in us. Thank you to our listeners for, uh, do you believe in us? No, I, I think they like how we put ourselves out as mm-hmm. experts. Yeah. But we don't know a damn thing about anything. I know we're, we're both like reasonably intelligent guys. Maybe in certain things, I would say you more so than I am, but I, I'm i not genius level. I mean, I, I have no, I don't know. I guess I know a lot of tidbits of useless information. Well, and I know a lot about the things I'm interested in. Yeah. 
which mm-hmm. is essentially why we do, you know, why we do most of our episodes on items from the sixties, because mm-hmm. that's what entertains yeah. me. It's what I'm into. You know, I'm into music, I'm into mm-hmm. cars, that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I'm an expert at the things I like. And each of those things is just loaded with tidbits of useless information that will yeah, never be important or on any kind of a college exam. But for some reason, my mind's a magnet for them. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, but it's also why, you know, we both love the topics of the 60s. We mm-hmm. We like how it was a huge time for change. Yeah. In the nation, how you know, as far as automobiles, uh, music, movies, television, you know, social justice, uh, everything it was just the awakening of everything, and so much stemmed from there. I think the one thing that's very sad about it is to see how far we've made it in 60 years since, which mm-hmm. isn't very far. No, in fact, we've regressed on certain things, but you know. That's why sooner or later, maybe sooner than mm-hmm. later, we're going to get to our favorite episode. Yeah. And you know which one that is. <laughs> Are we talking about Jim Morrison? Jim Morrison. We have, we've been talking about the doors and getting to the doors for a long time. Um, maybe we'll be able to talk a little bit about Jim. But uh, we, we've got to get through this uh tonight's uh topic so maybe next week maybe next week so yeah tune in next week for sure because uh i could see us talking about jim morrison next week well we talked about him tonight we did i mean he's one of my favorite musicians Mm -hmm. yeah uh and he's really not a musician and he's not even really a singer i you know it's a it's a bad comparison (laughs) but he's a crooner similar to frank sinatra Oddly, yes. But dissimilar to Frank Sinatra as well, but in the same manner to a different style of of music, you know. Yeah. So, what's our topic tonight? Did we we (laughs) fully decide? Yeah. So, there's a a very popular uh, Clint Eastwood movie. We've decided to uh, wrap in some of... Hold on. There's more than one very popular Clint. I mean, Clint Eastwood, my favorite actor. Okay, so here's the thing, okay? Justin and I are both big Clint Eastwood nuts. Um, Mr. Eastwood, if he ever hears this podcast, we adore you. That uh, There's no, no other word for it. We absolutely adore you. I excellent heard. storyteller, excellent director, excellent actor. I heard he's listening now. I hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's impressive because he's getting up there, but he's still going. Okay. He's 92? Yeah. 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 And uh, I think he did. He just retire. I think he finally decided to retire this year. Well, I didn't hear that. All right, but uh, let's six, just say he didn't. Yeah. So sixty years ago, this past June, there was an event that Mister um, Eastwood starred in a movie, and uh, let's see, it was was it the early late seventies. 78? Early 70s. 71. Well, so, no, you you said that kind of wrong, because it wasn't 60 years ago he was in the movie. No, the event happened that the movie was made about. The movie, I am gargling it right now, okay? Yeah. So just 
just so we can say mm-hmm. it's important that we be accurate about this. Yes, because uh, it's a 1979 film 79. called Alcatraz. That's what I thought. Late 70s, and so this yeah. was this was made almost well, not 20 years after, but close. About eight, about eighteen years, yeah. 18 later, years it, later, you know the funny thing about seventies movies, mm-hmm. even into the early eighties, I have a hard time looking at a movie from say seventy one or eighty one. Mm-hmm. They seem the same. It's not yeah. like there was a lot of cinematic difference in them. Yeah. You know, you get into the mm-hmm. mid eighties and the movies have a feel. Yeah, they started to get a little bit more. Um, what would you say? Like more of like the neon uh, of the eighties comes out, and well, and I'll be honest with you, I eighties movies are some of my favorites. Yeah, I, I, and maybe that's because it was my second childhood. I don't know, but sure, I. But they made good movies back in the eighties too. They, they did. There was yeah. a lot of good movies, mm-hmm. and but you know, going to the one we're talking about, nineteen seventy nine, mm-hmm. Alcatraz came out. It was an excellent yeah. movie. Escape from Alcatraz. Yep. So this is another one that uh, we talked about. Uh, not yeah. On this not, podcast, I'm sorry. Yeah. It but is. We, we both love prison movies. Yeah. It is called Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. I just call mm-hmm. it Alcatraz, but that's sure. as a Clint Eastwood fan, just shorthand for it. You yeah. Know, just, and that's fair. Yeah. So he, he only made uh, one Alcatraz movie, and this is it. And it was filmed on Alcatraz. You know what I like best about the movie? What's that? Is that, you know, Frank, mm-hmm. who Clint played, yeah, was pretty much a bad guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> like a, not a very good guy at all. No, not uh, to mention a, you know, not mm-hmm. to spoil it or anything, but not to mention a prison escapee. Yeah, there's probably going to be some spoiler alerts in here. <laughs> if if you haven't, I mean, let's shoot. Even yeah. if we spoil it for you, watch the dang movie, okay? Well, and just. <laughs> You know, to spoil yeah. it up front, Alcatraz has closed as yeah. a prison. It has. It's uh, it's open for tours now. It's more of a museum than anything. But kind of my point with Clint was, is he makes you like him in the movie. He, yeah. he's, he's the good bad guy. Does that make he's sense? A bad guy. Yeah, but he's the protagonist, isn't he? He, he? he completely is in a way he yeah. isn't in any other movie. Exactly. I mean, when you look at Dirty Harry, Dirty Harry's a good guy. But he's got some unethical means of accomplishing things that makes him kind of bad, right? I would more e- dirty. I wouldn't even call him unethical. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, they they fall in line of um, well, it's the right thing to do, even if it's illegal. Yeah, he he's yeah. weeding through the corporate bullshit, right? Yeah, exactly. He, and he's not going to put up with any of the signing a document just to yeah. shoot a guy that's robbing a bank, right? For sure. And I mean, completely different movie, and we really need to do some on those yes, eventually. Did. They don't fall in the '60s, but mm-hmm. uh, but the the Scorpio killings is pretty much what the Dirty Harry franchise was based off of, especially the first, yeah, movie. especially the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean. It is, it's interesting, yeah. but, um, yeah, so Escape from Alcatraz, uh, it was uh, directed by Don Seagal, mm-hmm. Seagal, yep. Seagal, yeah, uh, Steven Seagal's, Se- yeah. Steven Seagal's dad, S- Steven Seagal's dad, um, they I, actually had two babies, I Steven no Seagal, if he's his dad, I guess. and Jean Claude Van Damme Seagal, yeah, yeah, and both of them knew karate. Yes, both of yeah. them did. But I think John claude Van Damme Siegel was probably a lot better to work with. He just seems more personable. Whereas Steven Siegel, 
everything I've heard about him, he's just a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Clint plays Frank Morris. Yeah. In this, uh, like you said, he's a perfect protagonist. You know, you don't, Mm -hmm. if you were to watch a documentary, you don't end up liking Frank Morris character at all. But with Clint playing him, you, you know, you're rooting for Clint to get out of here and do good things. Yeah. you, You get a sense that, um, Frank Morris has a strong sense of justice and and that's kind of unusual because when you've got and they kind of touch on this a little bit that in uh, in the world you have rules okay the warden pulls Frank Morris in and gives him his uh, introduction to Alcatraz uh, lecture or whatever you want to call yeah. it and he it's not a pep talk i'll tell you that <laughs> says, no, yeah it's not a pep talk yeah when you when you break the rules of the law they send you to prison when you break the rules of prison they send you to alcatraz yeah and frank morris has this idea that well if you're breaking the laws of humanity then you no longer uh deserve my obedience yeah it yeah. it's very strange how it's characterized up and i guess that's classic hollywood right mm-hmm. i mean it, yeah it, it can't be boring and dull and, and the story in general of the mm-hmm. escape from alcatraz story yeah. is isn't dull at all i mean no from the fake heads to mm-hmm. you know how they whittled themselves out yeah. of there you know i mean <laughs> uh-huh. it's it's something similar to you know shawshank redemption and tunneling a yeah. hole out through the wall for years exactly you know, but, you know and this only took them I, I think a uh, six months to a year. Yeah, I think I think it was about it. eight or nine months. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they had to chip away at this thing. The way that these guys escape is pretty ingenious because I mean, people have tried to escape Alcatraz several times, mm-hmm. and sometimes they uh, make it outside the building. Sometimes they don't even make it outside the building. Um, one of the most violent. Uh, escape attempts that ended it in basically a battle where they were dropping bombs and throwing grenades onto the island and you know it, it was they called it the battle of alcatraz because it was uh this is the one where i think machine gun kelly was involved and yeah a bunch of these guys not the rapper no oh okay the original the original no. there really shouldn't be yeah he kind of stole the name he's kind of a punk yeah um shockley is another guy that was in that one and i really like shockley (laughs) the guy was crazy yeah yeah and you really should go out and check out um they've got you know you can google pictures of their cells and the the dummy heads they Mm -hmm. use to yeah to you know kind of fool the guards and you can see that where they had Mm-hmm. cut out the yeah. you know the vents to go out and everything yeah. kind of kind that, of interesting that's still the way it is uh in uh, uh in the museum they have the holes where they've uh, chipped them out and they have the cardboard uh inserts that they made to mimic the vents so you've been to alcatraz i yeah. have not i've been mm-hmm. to san francisco but when we went out there alcatraz was booked way out they said you had to book it like a month previous or something but so do you think is that the original stuff they have or did they recreate it um i think it's the original stuff because i think that they stopped using those cells after the fact and uh after i mean they shut the the whole prison down it less than a year later they shut it down in 63 the escape was june the night between june 11th and june 12th of 62 
Yeah. I mean, and when you look at that prison, you know, kind of like you said, when they give the so-called pep talk coming into the mm -hmm. prison, um, by all accounts, not only is the prison look really secure and mm -hmm. was it really secure and maximum yeah. security, but you're still on an Island, yeah. you know, surrounded by very fast moving cold Pacific cold water. water. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and it, I mean, you look at a map or something in this, Mm -hmm. Island looks just right there. Well, that couldn't yeah. be that bad, but it's like, it's about a mile away from the coast, or yeah, away from San Francisco. Yeah, and the channel that runs through there mm -hmm. is very, very fast moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very, very cold. Um, yeah, I, um, to the point where I mean, when you take the ferry out to the island, you'll notice that you head almost uh, east and then north and kind of drift towards the island, like the way that they steer the ships in order to get around there really cool because uh, hmm. yeah they have to do it that way now speaking of alcatraz itself uh you have told me and mm -hmm. my dad told me because him and my mother went there but yeah. they they weren't that impressed with alcatraz funny enough no, it's not really that um i mean for, for as hyped up as it is or as much as, like there's a lot of history there right yeah um, but even for all that you go and see it, and it's just kind of like, well, it's still a crumbling mess of concrete and steel that's just sitting there on this island. The um, several of the the houses that were there, like the warden's house, is gone. That's been torn down. I don't know if it if it was burned down or if it just got torn down. I can't remember the story, but um, it was the island was taken over, like we mentioned in one of our earlier episodes by the native Americans mm -hmm. during the protests of the sixties. And so I think there was a lot of damage done during then. Um, especially when they started to move the hippies into, uh, join them. Yeah. And then things just got real nasty. Well, I've, I've been to the old Boise state prison. Yeah. And Idaho State Prison, you know. Oh. Haven't you? That's right. Yes. And I believe you and my dad both told me that was actually more impressive than Alcatraz. It really is. I mean, as far as like, I mean, okay, Alcatraz, you got one uh, one inmate per cell. You go to the Boise uh, Penitentiary, and it's uh, like some of the cells were three bunks high. I think some of the original ones or they had at least two people in cells that were half the size. And yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. You had an upper or upper bunk, lower bunk. You didn't have indoor plumbing in the old cell blocks, which is exactly how yeah. hardened criminals should live. That's right. And so I guess in summertime, uh, when they had their honey buckets, uh, sitting there for a long time and, you know, waiting for the end of the day for it to get emptied out. Yeah, you, you think the smell gross. was a little bad? Oh, yeah, the smell was Yeah, perfect. one thing I noticed, you know, not to go off topic, but up in Boise at the penitentiary, I, I did notice that, you know, there's some really old sections of it yeah. and what appeared to be newer. And when I mean newer, I'm talking mm -hmm. still 60, 70 years yeah, old, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, uh -huh. but there was some older buildings and really interesting, you know. Yeah. And, like I said, I haven't been to Alcatraz. I've been out to San Francisco twice, and neither time was able yeah. to go out there. Mm -hmm. And I've even had people suggest to me that it's not worth it. I could see that. So I um, And the reason I can see that is because it's so much of it's lost to just time and age 
that um, if you go, I mean, let's see, if you were to go to the Boise State Penitentiary and you see like their newest cell block, that's a lot what Alcatraz looks like is that new cell block with the big thick bars um, instead of like the, the steel straps that are welded together or riveted on. Yeah. Um, this was a, a place that's got, you know, the sliding doors and everything, the slammers. Um, but even so, you still had just one bed and one or one cot per cell. You only had one inmate there. So everybody's by themselves on Alcatraz. Whereas at Boise had two people uh, per cell, a lot. Do you think it'd be better, or what do you think's better? Um, I think that <laughs> well, uh, Boise's uh, state penitentiary has its own history of problems, and yeah, they shut down in '73 after a really severe riot, and that riot was a lot, and and uh, due to the fact that they had such horrific conditions there, because you had people still using the old cell blocks that had the no indoor plumbing, no ventilation. And then you had other people living in these brand new cell blocks that, you know, had the indoor plumbing and had proper ventilation. And it, it's just not fair, right? Well, but does it need to be? I mean, you know, there are different levels of criminals too, which I've always yeah. thought, you know, the guy that writes a faulty check or something mm-hmm. maybe shouldn't be in the same situation as a guy that's killed 10 people. Exactly. You know, and so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's hard to say because there's so many different levels of criminals. There mm-hmm. shouldn't there be levels of, yeah. you know, detention. Oh, for sure. And uh, that's very clear in in Boise is that you see that like if people misbehave where they're at, I mean, the the harder criminals end up getting the worst living conditions, but those who can't abide by those rules end up going to solitary confinement. And yeah, um, Alcatraz, it's got what's called D-block which is uh, a series of about five cells at the end of uh, this, uh, at the end of one of the cell blocks. And they're completely closed off. They have a big, thick steel door on the outside um, with a little window that can be opened or closed. So that you can be locked in there in complete darkness. Um, within it, there's another, uh, you know, slammer with a set of bars there to hold the, the inmates uh even within and then beyond that it's just a a big uh concrete cage <laughs> interesting yeah well so why don't you kind of shoot through a quick a quick uh synopsis synopsis all right of what escape from alcatraz is about okay I mean, this happened in 1962. Yeah, 62. So Frank Morris, the movie opens with him getting uh, brought onto the to, onto the rock and getting processed. Yeah. He's being transferred there from Atlanta, where he served in prison there. Um, he had served uh, in prisons around different areas and um, got to know the Anglin brothers, John and Clarence Anglin, who they show up later on in the movie. But uh, Frank Morris, um, he's uh, getting processed in there, and they, it's it's pretty grim and and brutal. I mean, they <laughs> they strip him down, they check everything out, they you know go through the process, of, you know, making sure he's healthy and everything, and then take him 
walking, you know, butt naked with uh, his uh, bedding and everything down to his cell where he gets to get dressed and make his bed and begin, begin prison life. He tried to escape from the, the prison in Atlanta, and that's why he ended up in Alcatraz. Um, he was a bank robber. It isn't that yeah. funny that, you know, he tries to escape from one prison and can't accomplish it, so they put him in the so-called, quote-unquote, master, mm-hmm. you know, prison that's unescapable, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. of course, that doesn't end up being true, does it? No. Um, we find that... Uh, He's a likable guy, but he's kind of, he's rough. Uh, You don't get the impression at all that uh, the way Clint Eastwood portrays Frank Morris, that he's a wuss or any kind of a a weakling. No, No, and he's certainly the leader of his little group and and the one that, you know, puts his whole plot together to... Yeah, I mean, he's without a doubt the leader. Yeah, and we do find that uh, on the warden's papers or booking papers, we find that he's got an, a very high IQ, above average. Uh, he's in the top two percentile, I think it is. It's ridiculously high. He's like 133. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, very intelligent guy. And, um, yeah, the warden decides that he's just going to start turning the screws to him and lays out the the law and says, look, you know, you're here not because uh, I, you know, I need to be nice to you. I'm not going to give you any kind of rewards. You're here to do time, and that's it. And they allow him to to do different jobs. Uh, first job he gets is working in the library, distributing books and magazines to the inmates, which I found a little unusual because the warden says, oh, we don't allow our prisoners to have magazines or newspapers. And then they're distributing magazines to yeah. all of them. It's a little inconsistent, but okay. Well, that's another Hollywood thing. Exactly. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so we get to know a little bit of the prison structure. Um, he's got a, he makes friends with the librarian. Do you know if they, did they film inside Alcatraz? They did. Yeah. They actually filmed this inside Alcatraz on site. It was uh that was actually really cool because um, what you see is the cell blocks as they are. And uh, you see the mess hall as it is. Uh, the whole place is the way that it was set up. There's certain buildings on there on the island that they won't let you go into. Like there's a, a, a factory that they had that would make uh, clothes, I think. Why won't they let you go into them? Uh, just uh, they're in such disrepair that uh, it's dangerous, I think. They're afraid of the buildings crumbling. So I don't know if they'll ever restore it into museum conditions or not. I don't know what the purpose would be. A couple of the escape attempts actually happened from that side. So you get people that uh, head down to the bay um, from the, the factory to make a, their escape. Uh, none of them made it far. Um, in fact, I think one of the guys that tried to escape that side they found him clinging to a rock that was, he was just trying not to get swept out to sea. Yeah. Um, but so we get to know some of the other inmates and, uh, one of them is, uh, a, a, a kindly gentleman, uh, named doc, who's a painter, mm-hmm. loves painting and, uh, paints portraits, paints a portrait of the warden. Pretty good portrait too. Warden finds it and hates it. So he takes away paint, t- painting privileges and all, you know, just because he didn't like the warden's painting. Or the doc's painting. The doc's painting. Yeah. The warden, yeah. And that causes Doc to kind of lose his mind, and he just can't take it. 
you know, I've seen it escape from Alcatraz at least a dozen times. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, we both like, you know, prison movies. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of aspects with Escape from Alcatraz confused and mixed up <laughs> with another great prison movie, which I just mentioned, has Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. You know it's Shawshank right? Redemption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think, in my opinion, is the best yeah. uh, so-called prison movie, or whatever you want to call it, incarceration yeah. mm-hmm. soap opera. Is that yeah. it? Yeah, sure. Whatever I, I love that show, mm-hmm. and I and I've seen that one at least a dozen times. Yeah, um, and so I get a lot of the aspects because they're they're kind of the same movie. Yeah, in in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, other than you know, in Shawshank Redemption, Andy obviously is mm-hmm. innocent. Yeah, and so you know, as the main protagonist in the film. He actually should be because yeah. you're pulling for him, you know, <laughs> yeah. because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, here's a guy who maybe he did set out to shoot his wife and her lover, but uh, he didn't actually go through with it, um, and nobody believed him. He ended up getting convicted. Yeah. Where and and they make him out to be a pretty good dude. You know, yeah. he doesn't do anything bad, which is a little bit different than Clint in, yeah, in Escape from Alcatraz because he's playing a bad dude. I mean, there was nothing good about Frank Morris. No. And um, it's a little strange, though, um, the relationship he has with a character named Wolf. Uh, pretty much right off the bat, Wolf takes interest in him and decides yeah. he's going to have a, a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frank Morris decided that, no, that wasn't going to happen. And yeah. uh, so it ends up creating a, uh, a rivalry or, a, you know, just kind of a running animosity. He's got a nemesis now in the prison aside from the warden. Yeah. But for the most part, Frank is kind of a goes along and gets along kind of guy. Well, I mean, you certainly get the feeling from the movie. If you didn't know any of the facts from Mm -hmm. the real life, Frank Morris, that, that Frank's in there and he shouldn't be, you know, you're pulling for him to Mm -hmm. accomplish this and get free for some reason, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of unusual because, yeah, uh, the real Frank Morris, no, we're not pulling for him. No. Um, But this movie, they certainly paint the warden Mm -hmm. and everyone, you know, taking care of the incarceration as as the bad guys. Oh, yeah. You know, prison guards, especially there's, there's a prison guard, I can't remember his name, but he's kind of a short little guy and he keeps popping up and he's just got an attitude and well i mean but that's the same as with shawshank redemption and yeah. i know you don't have apple tv but that new mm-hmm. uh mini blackbird oh um it's it's a prison mm-hmm. or a series about prison and it's like almost all of them even cool hound luke yeah all these paint the prison workers and and mm-hmm. wardens is the bad guys essentially, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. when you really want to stop back and think, you know, you've got these wardens and these prison guards and I'm sure there's some of them that are corrupt and, you know, doing things they shouldn't do. But at the same time, they're in here watching over and making sure convicted murderers and rapists and things mm-hmm. like that don't walk free. Right. <laughs> and, but yeah. these movies have a way of making you root against those guys mm-hmm. and you're rooting for the prisoner where if it was real life and, you had heard 
you know, someone escaped from Utah State Prison, a convicted murder, you'd be a little concerned. Oh, absolutely. You know, but it's funny how the Hollywood effect on it glosses mm -hmm. it over really nicely and makes yeah. you pull for the bad guy. Yeah, I, I guess what we're, I guess it would be different if Frank was a murderer or yeah. if the Englands were yeah. murderers. They're, they're uh, bank robbers, all three of them. But they're not murderers. They don't kill people. And so I guess that's what makes it a little different. But still, to me, there's a difference between, say, a bank robber and somebody mm -hmm. that committed fraud. Yeah. Still, because you've got that physical... Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going in there holding people up with guns and threatening yeah. certain things. Even though they may not shoot someone. They, mm -hmm. it, I mean, they're in there for a reason. Yeah. So... And we, we've got some characters like uh, Frank's uh, new neighbor is uh, Charlie Butts. Yeah. Fictitious character, but based off of another real character. And we'll tell you about that real character when we get back. Yeah. Let's go to a message from someone, whoever yeah, we have. One of our sponsors. Talking to maybe, us. Maybe week. you. Could be me. Thanks, Justin. Hey, listener. This is Ty from About What Podcast. If you've been listening to us, you know that Justin is a huge car enthusiast. Maybe you yourself are a huge car enthusiast. Maybe you've just purchased yourself a brand new Trans Am that you want to get all fixed up. Or maybe you've got yourself an old Chevelle. Uh, maybe an old Chevy pickup that needs to restoration. Whatever it is that you've got, why don't you head over to joltparts.com. That's Justin's website. See what uh, parts he's got for your restoration, modification, customization. He's into all kinds of stuff. And if you are a listener to this podcast, and I'm assuming you are if you're hearing this, um, you get an offer of 10% off any purchase of $100 or more at checkout. Just use the promo code about what. That's all uh, lowercase letters about what. And Justin will give you 10% off your first order of uh, parts from joltparts.com. So turn your clunker into a classic and uh, fix up your brand new Trans Am, um, GM, uh, Pontiac, Mopar, Chrysler, uh, whatever it is you got. Go take a look. Charlie Butts. Charlie Butts. Charlie Butts. Quite a name. Not um, to be confused with Chuck Ass. Yep, exactly. And uh, But you might confuse him with Alan West, who is the actual uh, person that Charlie Butts is. Yeah, they based him off of yeah. Alan West. Yeah, the, the one guy that didn't quite make it. No, he didn't make it. Uh, Alan West was not able to get out. Charlie Butts, uh, they portray it in the movie that he kind of cowers out that he can't uh he's afraid of not making it afraid mm. of getting caught so he doesn't uh go out with the rest of them i always wondered whether you'd be afraid of getting caught i mean were they gonna do throw you in prison exactly so alan west uh the reason he didn't make it out is because he had uh done some like cement repair um because he made his hole too big and unfortunately, that cement repair had hardened and was too, uh, it had blocked it off so that he couldn't get out. It was too tight of a hole for him to squeeze through. So he couldn't escape Alan West. He, had, he got uh, left behind. I believe he ended up dying in prison, didn't he? Yeah, 1978. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he, he didn't uh, survive, but 
he knew the Anglins from a stint that he did in a prison with them in Florida. And so uh, all of these inmates knew each other. Yeah, they've been transferred from other places. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they all, you know, made fake coverings for the uh, vent holes that they dug out, Mm -hmm. um, which seems really funny that those weren't discovered. Yeah. Because when you see the pictures of them, I mean, although they look okay, they mm-hmm. I think anybody that was investigating the cells yeah. would have found them fairly easily. Well, if you're paying any kind of attention, uh, and I would think that they would be tossing these cells looking for contraband and whatnot yeah. regularly-ish. It's um, almost like they thought, okay, our prison's so secure, we're not going to worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But obviously when they decided to escape, you know, mm-hmm. they had built these heads out of cardboard paper mache basically with yeah. real human hair mm-hmm. and from the barbershop mm-hmm. and they had put these in their beds so as the guards come along they could see a head there in the dark you know yeah and not 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 alarm anything you know and you know for the most part you're not really paying attention i mean if you're a guard you're just basically doing a head count yeah because right? i mean hundreds upon thousands yeah. of people in there mm-hmm. you know it's not you know, yeah, they should be going by and tapping them all on the head with the nightstick as hard mm-hmm. as they can. Yeah. And then if their head caves in, then either it's paper mache or they just yeah. have a soft head. Yeah. And then you have a, uh, a free bed. Exactly. So that they can bring more uh, escape, uh, escape convicts or escape attempt people. Yeah. People that have escaped to attempt or attempt to escape at other places. I know what yeah. you're attempting to say. I, I'm glad you know what. I hope our listener knows what I'm trying to say because my lips really are not getting it. No, I get it. Okay. So when they decide to go, the Anglin yeah. brothers and Frank Morris, they mm-hmm. decide to go and they, they have this corridor behind because they're yeah. on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. They have the corridor that they get to behind there. Now, how did they, how did they get up to the vents to get out? Okay, so this maintenance corridor, it's maybe about three feet wide. And it's 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 uh, portrayed accurately in the in the movie. Um, I think mostly because it was filmed on site. But uh, they climb up a series of pipes uh, in between the cells. So there's cells facing one direction and then the corridor. And then on the opposite side, cells facing the other direction. So all the plumbing's on the inside and all the ventilation, all that it runs down this middle corridor. Yeah. So they climb up uh, sewer pipes, water pipes, all the way to the roof. Well, the roof, there's some scaffolding going on there because the, the roof's being worked on by the inmates. So what these guys have done is during the day, taken some tarps and uh, blankets and whatnot, and under the guise of saying, well, we're trying to keep the dust down up here and keep it contained. So they hung uh, blankets up there. Meanwhile, all that is, is allowing them plenty of cover during the day when they're working on the roof to try and, you know, uh, figure out a way how to get through the roof and onto the, and onto the outside. Yeah. So after uh, dragging a, uh, they used a, a fan uh, with a drill bit attached to it to um, drill through pipe and uh, bars and uh, they were able to uh, drill out the rivets on the ventilation shaft up top. And uh, let's see, um, Clarence Anglin, they had him working in the um, in the clothes shop. And so he started taking rubber um, rain jackets and 
com and out, they figured out how to you make um, a life draft or a life raft and life vest out of rubber rain jackets by using contact cement and uh, you know just attaching them together and <laughs> gluing yeah. together and then uh, they used a modified accordion as a bellows to to pump up uh, this raft when they got down uh, to the to the seaside. And they made their escape. They uh, shimmied down a, uh, a vent pipe on the outside of the building. Uh, had to climb a couple of 12-foot fences. But really, the guards were... It was just another day. I mean, this is something where they're not really anticipating escape because no escape attempt has been successful. So at what point did they notice they were gone? Was that the next morning? <laughs> the next morning. And that's kind of the beauty of it is these guys, these guards are walking around doing their head count at night and they're seeing heads in beds. They're not paying attention to anything beyond that. So they're, they're satisfied that, hey, everybody's present and accounted for. So the next morning when they get the uh, everybody up to go to breakfast and haul everybody out of their cells, that's when they notice that, oh, there's three people. They're missing. Alan West is still there. And, you know, he took uh, credit for the whole thing. That he planned the whole thing, but decided not to go at the last minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this with our technology nowadays gives a good reason for anally inserted uh, GPS probes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just have them on a big screen, kind of like if it was uh, flight control or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. You'd know where everyone was. Yeah. So what happened to these guys? And that's kind of the great mystery, isn't that? Does, did they make it? Did they not make it? Plenty of theories out there. What are your thoughts, Justin? I don't know. I mean, there's there's plenty of thoughts. I mean, you would, you know, your initial thought is, like we said, this water is so cold, fast moving, deep, and so far away from shore mm -hmm. that they couldn't possibly make it, right? Yeah. But what if they did? I mean, they they planned every other aspect of mm -hmm. it out so well. Why would one not think that? They plan this out. And mm -hmm. let's see, they haven't been seen ever mm -hmm. since then, you know. Yeah. But isn't that the point? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, mm -hmm. why would they want to be seen? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people point to, well, they had to have drowned and got carried away in the mm -hmm. water because they carried the bodies away. You'd never know anything about them. And it had to be because yeah. nobody's heard or seen anything from them. But I'm thinking, okay, well, you escape from a place like that. And it's such big news like it was, you're not mm -hmm. going to be heard or seen from again. Exactly. And the FBI has closed the file on it. The U.S. Marshals, they still have the file going, but um, they are not hopeful of ever having this solved. Well, really. if they can find these guys, it should be fairly easy to catch because all yeah. of them are well into their 90s by yeah. now if they're mm -hmm. still alive. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to be doing any quick running. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to be jumping any 12-foot fences again. Yeah. But you know, my initial thought is with the amount of planning that went into it and how well they did, my thought is, yeah, they got away and they mm -hmm. made it. Yeah. And once they step foot in San Francisco, mm -hmm. I mean, where are they? South America. I mean, mm -hmm. I would assume they leave yeah. the country at the time when it was probably a lot easier to do so. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of conspiracy theories, you know, that, I believe is it the Anglins that their cousin, yeah, uh, said he received Christmas cards or yeah. something like that. The, the Anglins' uh, parents, until the year that their mom died, they got Christmas cards every year, and um, at their mom's funeral, 
And this would have been in was it the seventies or the eighties? I can't remember. I think it was it was it eighty nine? No, it was earlier than that. That was when their dad died. It was in the seventies, I'm pretty sure. Their mom's funeral. There was two uh, tall ladies in very thick makeup that nobody really recognized at the funeral. So that's one th theory is that, okay, these guys dressed in drag at, to attend their own mom's funeral. Because, of course, you know, FBI was at the time uh, had an open file on them. We're looking for them. So they're going to, FBI is attending the funeral. I find that hard to believe because yeah. if it truly was them, don't you think the FBI would have been on that one anyway? You'd think so, right? I mean, I mean and it's easy to say this, all this in, you know, retrospect to things. Yeah. But, you know, I myself, you know, what I've read and, and studied on it, believe they did make it. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it was all of them, one of them, two of them, who knows? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's pretty treacherous waters to yeah. to to make. But there have there mm -hmm. have been some swimmers that have made it. Yeah. Um, and, and people. Um, okay, so here's one thing: is the England brothers, they were from uh, Georgia. And then they spent time on a farm in Florida, and they would migrate north to Michigan. Well, they'd uh, swim in the in Lake Michigan in the well, winter months, and so they and they kind of prided themselves on the fact that they were cold uh, water swimmers. So you know, people were just kind of these guys are nuts out there in Lake Michigan, you know, freezing waters swimming yeah. around. But they. They were uh, accustomed to it, and I guess there's you can become accustomed to it. You can learn some sort of skills and things that make you more adaptable to swimming in cold water. So that's one theory, is that these guys were, you know, maybe they were able to teach Frank Morris and Alan West how this worked. Alan West never said anything, but maybe they didn't really get into that until they got down to the water's edge. Who knows? Um but that's one theory. Also, a childhood friend of theirs that used to go swimming with them all the time down in Florida said, well, uh, we'd go down to like the the uh, the river and wait for the boats to go out. And what we'd do is take a rope and we'd tie it around the rudder and let the boats tow us out. And so here's uh, one theory is that they went down to the water's edge. They inflated the raft. They rode the raft around the island until they came full circle over to the dock where the police boats uh, came in and went out. Well, there was a midnight uh, shuttle or ferry that took um, the guards back to the mainland or back to San Francisco. So the theory is that these guys, you know, got on their uh, ramshackle raft, made it around the island in time for the midnight crossing, and then uh, found an electrical cord an extension cord down there that they were able to use to tie on to the boat and then have the boat tow them. But wouldn't that have been found at some point? Um, that you'd think so, right? So I mean, they, and they, they I, found I have a hard... electrical cord was missing, so they they did see that. I do have a hard time believing that not only could they do that, but um, that they would spend the time waiting for it to go out because yeah. if they had made rafts or something get out to me, you know, they're, I mean, they're probably assuming they're not going to be checked until morning, but they're out. Yeah. I don't think they're waiting around. 
Mm-hmm. I think they're. I think they're getting out in the water and doing whatever they can mm-hmm. to get the hell out of there. You know, yeah. and they can obviously see the bright lights of the city. They know sure. which way they're going. Yeah, and, it's not hard to navigate. I mean, it's no, not that not that rough of water. No, it's yeah. it's really fast moving. Mm-hmm. It's got a really bad current to it. Yeah, you know, and and it's super cold. But they had mm-hmm. thought everything else through. I really do believe they made it. Now, mm-hmm. you know, there's also some other theories of whether. There were some guards that possibly helped them, mm-hmm. you know, about uh, uh, bribery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The information that they were provided with the life jackets and stuff that was provided by West. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, out of uh, popular mechanics. He, he found it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it makes you wonder how far he made it with them. Was, mm-hmm. I mean, was he in the plan up until the very night? Or seems like it. it. It seemed like he was raring to go, except for he got stuck and, and didn't make his hole big enough, or his hole wouldn't accommodate him. And so my thought is, all the years after that, he had nothing to lose by telling on those guys to what was going on, exactly. and he didn't really give a whole lot of information. No, I mean he did, but not, mm-hmm. you know, anything yeah. that wasn't. Well, I, I I definitely don't believe he was the mastermind behind it. Yeah. <laughs> as much as he doubted himself as being the, the mastermind, and he knew all about how it happened and what they did, um, he claimed it. Um, also, on that night, uh, right around midnight, this uh, police officer over on, on the wharf was kind of looking out over the bay and saw a unidentified motorboat sitting out there. And it was kind of sitting in, in between, in the middle between uh, Alcatraz and the mainland. And then all of a sudden it took off. Have they ever looked into uh, someone else helping these guys? That's uh, um, one of the theories is that... Uh, possible, they, you know, visitors they had or anything mm-hmm. like that or, oh, yeah. or letters they had... Yeah, I mean, they, they did a, a pretty thorough search combing through and didn't come up with anything. So, however this would have been coordinated from the outside is uh, really hard to say. But yeah. then again, when you, when you're dealing with somebody like Frank Morris, it's a genius. Uh, perhaps he can, he understands how to get a coded message out to somebody, um, how to coordinate things that way. Well, I mean, you had someone helping you and got a motorboat, just a simple fisherman's boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in it. They're gone. They're done. Yeah. I mean, and one theory after that is that they went up to Seattle. Uh, somebody claimed, in fact, there's another uh, documentary out there where I think Danny Trejo talks about it. He narrates it. And uh, they talk about how Frank Morris and the England brothers got onto this motorboat in the middle of the island or in the middle of the bay. But they said that they picked him up over by Angel Island instead of on the San Francisco side. So the opposite side. And then went up towards Seattle, but then uh, while they were uh, like having a, a meal inside this person's house, the the guy went in and shot them all to take their money because they had like bribed a bunch of people in order to do this and said, "Okay, here's all of our money that you know that we're going to pay you to get us out of here." And uh, then they they robbed him and killed him and put him in a shallow grave well and that's that's the other thing too mm-hmm. if they did have outside help i mean i i find you know i think they got away mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i believe from what i've yeah. heard but it's mm-hmm. not like i know obviously but yeah. i would also think if they did get away they would have turned up somewhere you mm-hmm. know i mean it, it 
Frank Morris obviously had a high IQ, but it didn't stop him from uh, getting caught and thrown in prison the first time. It didn't yeah. stop him from getting caught trying to escape in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, People claim, or one of his uh, schoolmates claimed that he ran into him on the streets of, uh, I want to say Washington, D.C., where he was, where he grew up. And he had like a light beard they'd grown out. But, uh, but that stuff you hear, I mean, you hear that about Elvis and, yeah. and Marilyn Monroe and mm-hmm. Jim Morrison, right? Yeah. They're all still wandering around because it's mm-hmm. easy to say that stuff after. Sure. My, my thing to believe is these guys never really held good jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were devoted to robbing banks to yeah. make their money. Mm-hmm. What would they have done? I mean, obviously oh, exactly. it was a little easier back <laughs> then to, mm-hmm. you know, be inconspicuous, but I think if they did make it off the island, um, I couldn't see them going going straight to the yeah. Angel to Angel Island or uh-huh. any of that. That just yeah. seems silly to me. You go yeah. straight to the city, mm-hmm. mix yourself in with millions of people, and then work yeah. your way to Mexico or wherever mm-hmm. it is you're going, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it, in fact, you'd probably be best just staying in the city for a while. Yeah, well, exactly. Because, I mean, people are going to start looking out there for you right the you know they're not going to be looking right across the bay correct yeah they're going to be looking anywhere but there i I mean it's all Mm -hmm. you know nobody's ever gonna well maybe we will maybe one day we will know somehow but highly doubtful this is very comparative Mm -hmm. to db cooper Mm -hmm. uh where there's all these theories and all this and that and it could have been this and it could have been that but when it comes down to it look how many years it's been and nobody knows anything more (laughs) than they did before yeah and there's a dozen different theories out there as to who who was db cooper uh same thing with the anglins and frank morris maybe maybe db cooper was frank morris maybe so that's, I mean, if he went up to the Seattle area, that's mm-hmm. kind of the area this, you know, that I'm just David saying. Cooper took off from, right? Now. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, yeah. And um, then if he uh, makes off with $200,000, um, they throws out of a plane right before he jumps from the plane, and the Anglin brothers are down below. I mean, that's considering that they didn't part ways. You figure that probably... Clarence and John England stuck together. They're brothers. They're family. So yeah. he's stuck together. But Frank, I don't really see him as being... He's more of a lone wolf. You know, he's not the type to... He'll go with them to escape. But after they've escaped, I don't think... Did they ever find there. anything paraphernalia-wise, like a, from the raincoats, from... They did find something on Angel Island. Um, let's see. They had a, a ring... It was a a wallet type thing, a little bag made out of a raincoat that had uh, in it wrapped in plastic, plastic, some family pictures, uh, the addresses of fa- family members, and, you know, kind of like an address book uh, in there. Um, and Who, like, whose oh, was it? It was the England's. One of them. They, they don't really know which. Do they feel them. like it was planted or it just washed that, up? That's just that they figure, well, this stuff's too important for them to leave behind or to, you know, allow to wander off. So they figured that that was evidence that they had drowned on the, where they were swept out to sea because they wouldn't have left that behind. Uh, unless you knew. Unless you're trying to throw them off, right? Yeah, I mean, but there's always that talk, right? I mean, yeah. it could be as simple as they got out there in the water, they got a couple hundred yards in, 
the current yeah. took them, they drowned, they're dead. Sure. And but, it's yeah. not like you're going to find the bodies. The way that yeah. current moves and stuff, mm-hmm. the, the body's long gone. They had a body, um, I think it was a month later, that was found floating several miles south of San Francisco. And they're like, no, that's not one of them. Because uh, <laughs> at this point, I mean, it was, you're not going to have a body out there floating for a month. No. No. Uh, it's, this is shark-infested waters in the ocean. This is a place that's got killer whales and all kinds of predators looking to, for food. Yeah. Yeah, a body's not going to last that long out there. No, but did they do any... How, how deep is the bay there? Um, You know, the the bay's not that deep. I mean, they've they've done some looking around to see if they could find any evidence down below. Uh, they haven't found anything. Well, at this point, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it would have had to been immediately, yeah. obviously. Um, best theories are that the England brothers uh, went to Brazil and uh, started up a ranch there and uh, went back to the kind of uh, honest labor that they grew up with. That's uh, that's one theory. Um, but when, like we say, these are criminals. You know, criminals are not necessarily hard workers they're focused workers but not really the kind that enjoy farming i know i said i believe they made it but at the same time i believe they didn't yeah because it seems too easy you know what i mean and and it seems like something would have reared its head by now other Mm -hmm. than these silly rumors that you hear with every famous Mm-hmm. person that's dead or yeah. supposedly dead or whatever mm-hmm. it just it just seems like as big of a world it is as it is it's also a very yeah. small world um there was a, a letter that was sent to the fbi by uh john anglin um back in 2000 uh sometime in the early 2000s and uh, he said, look, if you if you would be willing to give me, like, free health care. <laughs> uh, he's like, I've got cancer. So if you're willing to, I'll turn myself in if you're willing to take care of my medical. Uh, yeah, what did they do with it? Or did they find validity in it? Yeah, or? That's just it. I mean, it's, it kind of floated around. They weren't sure what to do with it because it never gave any, like, contact information or anything. It was kind of a, a weird layer to have. Um, so, I mean... The, well, what would the point of sending it in if there was no contact information? Yeah. Be? Well, and that's just it. If he was... Was it legitimate? Was it not? I mean, where the, was uh, John England? If it was legitimate, let's say it was. Was this just John England looking for like, okay, well, now the FBI is going to bring me to the forefront. I'm going to be famous all over again. And then... They'll make a big deal out of me on the news. Because, I mean, they didn't really even break that for years. Really? After after they got the letter. So, there's no real knowing. I mean, there's a lot of mystery behind it. And I guess that's what's so fun about it is that that you never know. It's It's fun, but you you want to know. Yeah, we want some closure, right? Yeah. I mean, you feel like you deserve it. But I guess like a lot of things, most things in life, it... Sometimes it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many unexplainable things, and I, I'm the person that wants to know. Oh, absolutely. You know, I need to know. Mm-hmm. 
and I think there's a lot of people like that, and that's where you start getting a lot of stories and things made up. Yeah. And I and I don't always think they're meaning it recklessly either. I think no. they're just injecting themselves in a situation mm-hmm. and exactly. You know, I know what happened to the Anglins and Frank mm-hmm. Morris, and so I'm gonna give this tip to the FBI, you know, but yeah. really you've just seen a couple documentaries on the history channel and watched escape from Alcatraz. Right. Exactly. Right. And but, yeah, they're, they're no further along than I am in my no. search here. And, it, and it's like going back to the DB Cooper thing. It's, it's very, very similar Yeah, because they say there's no way he lived, you know, but yeah. where's his body? Mm-hmm. You know? Where... Yeah. And, and who was DB Cooper? I mean, they've got, they got several theories as to, oh, well, this is who he could have been, that he was former military, uh, who was Jack the Ripper for that matter. I mean, there's yeah. lots of theories of that. Um, so, I mean, it's just, that's it, one of those things about history always plays this game with our minds of, you know, we're supposed to know, we want to know, we've got that need to know, and there's some things we just can't know. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, but sometimes there are things that come to pass that, you know, you never thought you would know, and you do find out. Golden State Killer. That's right. Is a, a good example of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that case, it's not been Damn closed. got but, away with it. <laughs> yeah, but it's been dead, right? Yeah, I it mean, was a cold case. Yeah. For the past 35 mm-hmm. years or whatever it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And he essentially, well, as far as we know, he quit the murders. But yeah. in today's world, who, who's to know, you know? Exactly. And then... You know, it's good to know they're still working on things mm-hmm. like that because no matter if the guy is 100 years old or 40 years old, it's good to, mm-hmm. that people are brought to justice. And I think it's a good sigh of relief. I mean, I'm saying that for us people that are interested in it, but for the families that were affected by it, yeah. especially, mm-hmm. that's the difference between a serial killer and someone that yeah. escapes from jail mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a bank robber, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting with these mm-hmm. guys, Morris and the Anglins, with, with the Golden State Killer. You mm-hmm. want to see someone brought to justice for yeah. those people and their families, you know. Yeah. As I recall, the Anglins, they only robbed a bank with a toy gun, too. Really? They didn't even have a real gun. Well, and, uh, so smart to me. Yeah. So when they got imprisoned for that, then they tried to escape, and that's how they ended up in Alcatraz. Yeah. Uh, you know, Frank Morris... Hmm, uh, I be- I would believe Frank Morris would shoot me if he came at me with a gun. Kind of ironic, isn't yeah. it? That they both try to escape, so mm-hmm. they're moved to the place you can't escape from that they escape from. Yeah, and then they escape from. And uh, there'd been so many attempts before, and nobody had succeeded. Uh, they found the bodies of everybody that uh, had, had attempted and failed. The ones that had failed, did they find the bodies in the water or what? Um, you said one was clinging to a rock, but he wasn't dead. He wasn't dead. Um, there was somebody floating. They found a couple floaters, but they did find him. Yeah, the rest of them, there was no, like, mystery behind the rest of them. They they knew that they didn't make it. Hmm. So, yeah, um, that's, uh, that's our Escape from Alcatraz episode. And uh, we've run out of time, so no Jim Morrison talk tonight. No Jim uh, Morrison, but it, it's coming. He is coming next week tune in but yeah go out and watch escape from alcatraz an excellent film mm-hmm. if anything worth watching even if you don't have interest in the alcatraz yeah. happenings mm-hmm. but uh has the best actor in the world in it yeah and you know i could see them making this movie again it's it's a really good movie i don't know why they don't make another one clint could be the warden this yeah. time 
Oh, it could for sure. I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting. I hope it's done. But yeah. that's it for About What. Mm -hmm. And you can reach us at About What Pod on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, send us your ideas for topics at About What. At what pod uh, at, at gmail.com gmail and we've got a list of topics we're still going over this was one of them someone suggested to us a while back mm -hmm. i don't even recall who it was we put it on our list we were both interested yeah. so we talked about it but I've, I've, I've lost that email that they sent but yeah i hope that we've done it justice because this is one of our favorite movies too great movie so until next time ty have a good night bye see ya